0: Welcome to the Top, the podcast that provides you with what you need to succeed in the real estate world. Brought to you by the Collin County Association of Realtors. Here comes the man who has toured Joint Chiefs of Staff, launched nuclear missiles, and reported to Ross Perot, CCAR's 2020 President, David Long, and communications extraordinaire, Jonna Fernandez, CCAR Chief Operating Officer.
1: Hey, David.
2: Hi, Jonna. Welcome to the Top. Yes, John. it's really good to be back, and I'm excited about our topic and our guest today.
1: I am, too. We're talking about the Multiple Listing Service, or MLS, as everyone refers to it, and the new Statement 8.0 Clear Cooperation Policy. David, I know that you've been involved with the MLS 8.0 Clear Cooperation Policy on different levels. Can you just briefly describe, for those that may not know what it is, what are we talking about?
2: Okay, Clear Cooperation is sort of the foundation of MLSs. In that it means that when a home goes up for sale, it is advertised to the entire real estate community in that area. In other words, uh, and, and where you see what it's frequently referred to as hip pockets is if oh you have a very important person in a neighborhood with or a very, very pricey home. And they're putting their home up for sale, but they don't want the entire public to know that. And so it would be not be put on MLS and be held back from the general group of agents but over the years it would start leaking out professionally they would start advertising it but not make it available once again to the entire asian community and so the intent of clear cooperation is that if you advertise a property in any way outside of your brokerage then it has to within one business day it has to go on mls and all the participants of that mls can see it So that's basically what is clear cooperation.
1: Thank you. That puts it in layman's terms for everyone to understand. Thank you. We have two really great guests that I'm excited about. Um, The first one joining us is Rodney Goncho. Rodney is the director of engagement for the National Association of Realtors. And then John Hawley, CEO of the North Texas Real Estate Information Systems, or as we refer to it here in North Texas, Netris, will also be joining us today.
2: That's right, Jonna. And- Because of the uh, COVID-19 and social distancing, uh, Jonna and I are many, many feet apart. Hey, over there, Jonna.
1: Hello. How are you? I'm
2: good. Good to see you from a distance. That's right. (laughs) And uh, we're happy that our two guests have agreed to participate by calling in from their homes. So we'll get started.
1: Rodney, thanks for being with us. We're hoping you can share a little bit of the backstory behind the MLS Statement 8.0 Clear Cooperation Policy and fill us in on what NAR wants to accomplish with that policy.
3: Well, thank you so much for having me as part of your program. The Clear Cooperation Policy, it was a recommendation that stems from the NAR MLS Technology and Emerging Issues Advisory Board. Uh, That's a subset of NAR's full committee. Uh, the full committee is made up of about 130 people. So the advisory board, the subset of that, probably ranges around 25 people. And these are MLS practitioners and MLS executives and industry leaders from across the country. They get together twice a year, usually before the national meeting, to consider different issues related to the MLS industry. For the past several years, there's been a lot of discussion about off-MLS listings. And the concerns related to that, and the negative impact that that was having on the buying and selling public and the brokerage community, in some markets off MLS data could account for as much as 30 to 35% of the available properties for sale. And these were properties that local brokers might not know about, that they may only discover by driving their client to a showing and seeing a for sale sign in a yard, or having the client forward them property information discovered while they were searching different real estate websites. As you guys likely know, under the low inventory and favorable market conditions that we've had over the past several years, certain brokerage activities have become more about creating a competitive advantage and less about the actions that best serve and promote the clients for the interest of the seller. So the MLS is the single greatest tool to facilitate real estate. It's the envy of other markets around the world. In our area, we deal with our global community. It's not uncommon for real estate practitioners in other parts of the world to want to talk about MLS, how they can make an MLS in their local market because they recognize the huge benefits that it provides. Yet, a lot of the activity for off MLS information was really fractionalizing the benefits of the service. In many situations, properties were only available to a segment of the public, or to a select group, but not to the group of real estate professionals in, uh, in a given marketplace, with the greatest potential to help locate a ready, willing, and able buyer. Apart from serving the buyers and sellers, concerns also stemmed from fair housing practices. Who was actually able to see and purchase these properties that were off the MLS, and how were they uh, informed of those properties? So in the end, it's really about our brokerage community and the buying and selling in public deserving better and getting back to basics.
2: Yeah, Rodney, I'm a NAR director, and so I did vote in favor of Rule 8 in San Francisco. I do think it's an important policy. How much variation do you expect between the MLS providers and how it's implemented?
3: So, and I'm, I'm glad you were there. So you were part of that discussion. Awesome. Uh, it was a very robust discussion, a lot of interest in this policy. Great to see that, by the way. Love seeing our real estate community come together around different areas and sharing their input. Yeah, because right? we don't want to hear just from one side. And there were different sides to this. But in the end, that vote at the national level was 92% at the MLS committee prior to the board of directors meeting. You had over a 1,000 people attend that meeting which is just a huge audience, standing room around the halls. So again, just great to see that engagement. The policy, the policy, you know, it's a pretty succinct policy with a big impact, and that was done by design. So there's a lot of aspects to it that need to be better understood as far as application. So we do have standard MLS rules in the uh, NAR model that provide some additional guidance to that. We've also developed some different resources and FAQs to help with guidance related to the policy. But as with any policy or rule, there are often the ability to address different local aspects and practices. So you might see some variation. We don't anticipate that this will lead to a large variation. We anticipate the need for other resources to help provide greater clarity or to provide some additional changes perhaps in this policy or other ancillary policies that may be affected by this. Um, one of the things uh, that came out of it, David, is is a discussion about coming soon. And sometimes this is confused with, it, it goes both ways, uh, with a pro-coming soon policy. Clear cooperation is pro-coming soon, or clear cooperation is trying to do away with coming soon. And, and clear cooperation is not about coming soon at all. However, in, in different local markets, it may spark that conversation as to whether a local MLS needs to create a coming soon category and what that looks like. And I can tell you at the national level, we've had discussions about that um, and never taken a national position as to what a coming soon status or policy would look like. We think it's best left to the determination of each MLS as to what the interests are of their brokers and how best to accomplish those interests. So it'll come with the experience in applying what we have today and see where we go from here as to whether there needs to be additional resources, or, you know, different changes in policy.
2: You may know this, but our North Texas Real Estate Information System, our MLS, is called NETRIS, and we span all across, uh, pretty much all across the central North Texas area. We have uh, 15 associations that belong, and we do have coming soon. Uh, we had a conference call on Monday with a number of participants. We do not see any particular conflict with our coming soon, we did vote tentatively to expand our coming soon. You could be in a coming st- soon status for 14 days. And then it either went active or it went to temporarily off market. And so we have, for a number of reasons, not just clear cooperation, we expanded that to, I think it was uh, 30 days. on. You could, it could remain in a coming soon status. But one of the areas that I see a uh, difference between associations perhaps is on the penalty definitions, at Netrus, it's not finalized, but we have voted for a graduated penalty process. In other words, education and a graduated penalty if somebody violates it more often. But I could see on in areas where you have an overlap between MLS-A and MLS-B, where MLS-A may do a graduated policy of discipline or penalties, and MLS-B slaps on a significant fine right off the bat. That's an area where I could see a conflict.
3: And that's a great point, too, David. And my history, my background with NAR is I came from the, not just the MLS side, but I dealt a lot with professional standards. And for anybody who deals with professional standards, the underlying concept for sanctions and professional standards is to educate, right? Not, right, right on. Not a,
2: yeah,
3: that punitive or substantial sanctions. So I'm a big proponent of people trip over different rules and they don't necessarily realize it. And and with something like this, it's going to be a change in business practices for some people. So it'd be great to educate them. And if they and uh, different MLSs are taking different steps to educate their members, and I commend them for that. But you got to look locally as to what makes sense. And graduated fines are a great way to Approach frequent flyers who, you know, may understand what they're doing and still do it anyway. Uh, so you got to get their attention one way or another. And if you have graduated fines, sooner or later, you're going to get their attention. And like you said, the education component can't be overlooked. That That's a big part of it as well. And I think MLS is either do that through the process for determining violations or do that through different promotions and notices out to the membership webinars. I've seen different videos that MLS CEOs are putting out about clear cooperation to help explain to their membership a great way to get a message out, right? But you got to look at that twofold when you talk about implementing a change like this.
1: So, Rodney, I know that the 8.0 rule is set to take effect on May 1st. Given everything that's going on right now with COVID-19, is May 1st still the deadline or has there been any talk at NAR to push that back?
3: So we did, and I talked about the group, right? I talked about the MLS Technology and Emerging Issues Advisory Group. And just so happens that they had a meeting scheduled for last week, a physical meeting in Chicago. Obviously, with the pandemic and everything that's going on, a number of meetings are being canceled. And Air convention in Washington, D.C. is now going to a virtual convention. We're going to have different meetings and whatnot remotely. So we took that opportunity with the advisory board to have a remote meeting of the advisory board, 25 people, you know, all different parts of the country, day and a half meeting on a computer. It sounds troubling at best, and I think I was a little concerned at the beginning too, but I can tell you that it's kind of the new norm as we're all dealing with what we're dealing with. And there were were some real benefits to that aspect. And one of the things that the group did talk about was the current situation that we're in and whether it rose to the level of creating a delay in the implementation. And it was was a complete and thorough discussion of that, some of the aspects that we're taking into consideration is that many MLSs have already adopted the policy. And where it's been adopted, there hasn't been a lot of issues that we're aware of. There are some, There is some need for additional clarification to help explain aspects of it and implementation of it. The other thing is the reasons behind this policy and this change are still very prevalent today. This is about providing best services to buyers and sellers. And it may actually be more important given the environment that we're in and the inability for um, individuals to actually go out and see properties and, and 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 learn about different properties that are for sale. Ultimately, the advisory board did not recommend a change. The May 1 deadline is still in place. And if there are MLSs that are still needing to adopt the mandatory provisions, they should look at remote options to adopt that if they have other challenges. They're free to contact the National Association, and we're happy to provide additional assistance and guidance to explore what their challenge is and how we can get past that so that we can get the benefits of this policy in place in their local
2: market. Okay. Well, thank you, Rodney. Uh, we're going to wrap it up for uh, right now, but um, thank you for your time and the insight from the NAR perspective and uh, your back the background and what you're hearing as we move forward towards May 1st. So thanks a lot.
3: David, John, it's a pleasure. Uh, I appreciate it. If you guys ever need anything in the future, please don't hesitate to contact us. Love talking with you.
2: Sounds great. Thank you, Rodney. Hey, John. uh, This is Dave Long, and I got uh, John Fernandez. Hi, David. How you doing? Been, uh, what, two days? I'm going okay. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I have John Fernandez here. You know, I think you know John as well. Hi,
1: John. We've met a couple Mm -hmm. times. How are you?
4: I know. I'm Good.
1: Good. Thanks for joining us on the phone as we all try and do our part to social distance.
2: (laughs) So John, we just had a conversation on Monday, but uh, from your perspective, what does all this mean for NetWish users?
4: Well, you were at, you were on the call. What does this mean? This means that we're going to go ahead and implement the new policy 8.0 clear cooperation that has been handed down, voted upon and mandated by the NAR When I say it's mandated, I mean it's because we are an NAR-sanctioned MLS, which means we have to abide by their policies in order to maintain our errors and misses insurance. What the policy means is that if a listing is going to be publicly marketed, then it has to be submitted to the multiple listing service for cooperation. I think it's important to say that cooperation and compensation are two different things. Cooperation, and I think some of the background on this, is that agents are out in the field and properties are showing up with for sale signs or in other means, whether they be online or what, and there's no information for the agent in the listing service. So they get duped. They can't respond to their client as to what the situation is on this particular property. Whether it's available for showing or not, so the clear cooperation policy says that if you're publicly marketing, which includes but not limited to flyers displayed on windows, yard signs, digital marketing on a public facing website, a brokerage website, IDX and Val, digital communications such as an email blast, multi brokerage listing sharing networks as well as applications that are available to the general public are considered public advertising. That's right. So I hope that sort of explains the background of the clear cooperation policy in that real estate professionals need to know and are expected to know, quite frankly, the details of property. Now, one of the things that we look at at Netris is the tweaking and expansion, if you will, of coming soon. Let me talk about that. So if a property is, there's a listing agreement on a property, but it's coming soon. It's not ready. We tweak those rules to be, it can be in coming soon status now for 30 days, or at least that was the motion that was passed. That's so not gone to the board of directors yet. But for 30 days, it can be in a coming soon status. Now, coming soon status means that it is available to all the participants and subscribers of the multiple listing service. So they can see that the property is not available yet. It is in a coming soon status. So I have some knowledge and the listing agent can have a sign out in front, usually with a sign writer that says coming soon. So at least the real estate professional has some information about this property to share with their client, especially when a client sees it and calls upon it. Right, right. So... That satisfies clear cooperation because I have submitted that.
2: Yes, it does. So, do you anticipate a smooth implementation of the policy for a Yes.
4: Uh, we really believe from our end anyway, and I can't say that I'm a total expert on everything that goes on in the market. I just run a data center. But we truly believe that with regard to the properties that I was discussing, it is quite small in comparison to the 45,000 active properties we have and to the 40,000 agents that we have, that I just think this is a very small percentage. It's really all about education. And I think that it's important that everybody knows that while the NAR may be uh, imposing this policy on all of their controlled multiple listing services, they do not have any control and compliance, if you will. So, an association in the Neftris area can totally use this as an educational effort that if a real estate professional has a property that, say, may be in violation of clear cooperation, what they need to do is work with them to show them what they can do, not what they can't do. Because I think that everybody is going to be satisfied in the end.
2: Right, right now,
4: and even uh, if it, even if you take an exclusive, we want to make sure that everybody is able to do what they want to do, and if it's clearly not within clear cooperation, then they need to know that and what should I do?
2: Yeah, along those lines, as makes you, sense. Yes, it does. Yes, um, along those lines, uh, as you know, Johnny and I were just on the phone with Rodney Goncho from NAR. Uh-huh. And I brought uh-huh. up the I brought up the fact that uh, Netrus is looking at a graduated education policy for violators. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he very much, you know, I I mentioned the fact that there are some MLSs that I've heard about that are taking the policy that they want to slap on a pretty steep fine right off the bat. And and Robbie I've heard
4: of some of the high $7,000.
2: Yeah. Wow, that's a lot.
4: And that's yes. not what we want to do. That no. is not the mission in my opinion, of the MLS or of the association MLS providers, fines is not a profit center. Right, Fines are the last resort, if you will. And I think that providing the educational opportunity is much better because all anybody really wants within the subscribership is clean, accurate information. That's exactly. all we really are asking for. Yeah. We want to have information we can share on a property, whether it was by word of mouth or whether it was because it was a for sale sign that said coming soon, or if it's an office exclusive. Information is important that the showing agent especially needs to know. It, now it, let's talk about office exclusive. Yeah, that it, is still on the table. We've It's always been there. You can take an office exclusive, but if you do that, Being that it's an office exclusive, you can only really disseminate that amongst the uh, real estate professionals within your office. You're not allowed to go out on a public website or whatever and advertise the property to the public under an exclusive arrangement. That's not what an office exclusive was ever designed to be. Although over the years, things may have gotten out of hand and we have to kind of reel it back in. As to what an office exclusive really is. And that's still doable.
2: Exactly. And Rodney very much agreed with the graduated approach of education before penalties. So let me ask you this within the Netrus world, we do have a few certain areas that maybe are more likely to have hip pockets or exclusives than most of Netrus. Mm-hmm. Are, you getting mm-hmm. any, are you getting any pushback or comments? Well, I'm
4: really not getting any pushback, and I was expecting to get some, especially by certain real estate companies out there that I won't mention any names, but I really haven't gotten any. I think what was really the angst of some of the larger corporations that may have been uh, advertising outside of this new policy was more of the sanction that was going to be imposed right off the bat rather than the educational opportunity. As you had mentioned, doing gradual, here's what you can do. Let's, let's work together. Let's make sure that everybody has accurate information as opposed to just handing them a bill for $7,000 or whatever it's going to be. That was really a big problem. And I think that's going to be diminished now. And I don't see that as a problem here our MLS providers so that the issue really what we want is accurate information. We want to provide the information to the cooperating real estate professional so that they know what they're looking at or what their client is asking about. I have some information on this rather than the black hole. And I think that's a little bit of the backstory behind this whole policy is really all about cooperating. I'm going to tell you the story. Right. Make sense?
2: Yes. Yes. Very much. Now, um, as we move closer to the May 1st deadline, is NETRUS going to be putting out some educational information, or do you expect the uh, associations and brokers? What
4: what NETRUS would do, because we are a (laughs) a poster child of a decentralized MLS, first of all, everybody should know, NETRUS really only consists of 11 people, including myself. What we will do is work with our MLS providers to help educate and give them the talking points that they need so that they can adequately address the clear cooperation policy. Of course, Nectar staff is always available for consultation, but I'm not saying that we're the sort of experts, but we're always available for, for consultation, but we're not the deciding factor. It's actually the MLS provider's job is to be the one that, gets involved in any disputes that may arise, or in some cases may have to resolve particular situations that may occur. Who knows what it might be? But myself personally, as well as my chief operations officer and whatnot, we will certainly be available for consultation. But I think that a lot of this can be handled almost on a one-by-one basis. I don't see where we have to hold classes on it. I think this is going to be more of a one-to-one Evolution to where, over a period of time, the correct people know what to do.
1: John, when you Makes say, sense? "Yeah," when you say one by one, so are you talking about the agent and who's the other one?
4: Yeah, exactly. As as an issue may arise that could be a possible violation of court cooperation, and it is reported, then the. The MLS provider can get in contact with the listing agent and/or broker, and try to work with them to accomplish what they want to do within clear cooperation. And there are many avenues to do that. Like I said, you have if there is the office exclusive, there is the coming soon, which which the governance committee met on Monday and they unanimously agreed to extend that to be 30 days instead of the current 14. Right. So. Yeah. We have that that ability is out there to do the pre marketing, sign in the yard. Everybody knows here it is, and it's coming soon.
2: Yeah, and so if an agent or whatever agent or broker witnessed a violation, they would contact mm-hmm. they would contact their local MLS, which you, our MLS mm-hmm. here at CCR, mm-hmm. our MLS group would look into it. They would contact mm-hmm. that that broker. And mm-hmm. and try to work it one on one in that regard. Exactly. Yeah. Okay.
4: It would mediate the situation and come up hopefully with a successful conclusion. If not, well, you know, you know as well as I do. If that all fails, then it goes to a tribunal of their peers. It gets heard, and the resolution is made.
2: Correct. Yes. Like,
4: typically, that doesn't happen. But I mean, worst case analysis.
2: Right. Right. Okay.
1: Very good. John, thank you so much. We really appreciate all the hard work you've put into making this a smooth transition. And this we- is
4: this is gonna be interesting. This is a change. This is different than what we've allowed to go on for quite a number of years. And are there going to be situations, creative ones that arise? Yes. And sometimes it needs professionals like yourself. At CCAR to listen to this and to come up with a resolution and a decision. A machine can't do it, you know?
1: That's right. So, Sometimes I you think need this humans. is going
4: to be interesting. Exactly. I believe that very much. Sometimes you need to listen to both sides and then come up with an amicable resolution that works for everybody. And I just don't see this as being a huge problem. I've talked to several high-producing agents that said they don't see this as a problem at all. It's just fine as written, actually. This is what we do. We cooperate. This is what it's all about. So I really don't see this as going to be huge. Maybe there's going to be pockets within the Metroplex because it's quite large where more education and conversation may need to take place. And so I think everybody's prepared to do that. I think some will have to do with uh, price of the home, its location, et cetera. And and so I I foresee a lot of what ifs coming up. I've sat in meetings with MLS leaders from across the state, for example. We had a meeting in Austin, and I sat in on that. And for six hours, it was all about what if, what if, what if, what if. That's
2: all that's almost always be true, a learning process. Uh, almost always true when when you introduce something new, you know. So Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, John. Uh thanks for your time. Mm-hmm. This is uh, glad to get, welcome, David. Yeah, glad to get your opinion and your um thank you. Knowledge on all this. Well thank you very much, John. We appreciate it.
4: You're welcome, Dave. Uh, thanks. God, take care. You thank too. You too. Bye bye. Bye.
1: It was really great to talk to both Rodney and John today. And for those of you listening, thanks for hanging out with us again. Be sure to stay up to date by subscribing to Welcome to the Top wherever
0: you get your podcasts.
2: Absolutely, Jonna. And until then, don't forget to call before showing.
0: Special thanks to our hosts, Jonna Fernandez and David Long. Our audio engineer, Garrett Holton. Outreach and guest relations manager, Kendall Crawford. Podcast administrator, Sean Offsall. And producer, Bree Westbury. Tune in next time and don't forget to enjoy your journey to the top. The statements by speakers in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views or position of the Collin County Association of Realtors, its leadership, or its members. This podcast is not intended to give legal, financial, medical, or other advice, but simply to provide information as a springboard to further discussion and investigation.